welcome to the Mean Lady Talking Podcast, the tough-talking, advice-giving show by the not-really-mean, mean lady, Susan J. Elliott. Good day, everybody. This is Susan Elliott, host of the Mean Lady Talking Podcast, and welcome to episode 84. I know that we've done well over 100 episodes, but we have had a few that have series. And I think that this one might be a series. Please let me know. Before we get started, I want to let you know that the Holiday Boot Camp registration form is out. If you want one, please send an email to susanje1119, that's three ones, at gmail.com, and I will send you one. And it is going to be a basic boot camp, which means if you just started the program, or maybe you just haven't started the program, but you really want to get go through the whole program with me, you can do that. The first four weeks, we we get to know each other. We have calls. We journal. We talk about boundaries, affirmations, you know, the uh, no contact, all those different things. And then on the fifth week, we take a break. You do one-on-ones with me. And then I customize your program for the second half. And if you have things that you want to work on, like codependency, attachment issues, abandonment issues, whatever it is, we will do that. And I will have a facilitator who will be working with me and also helping to support you. So the second half will be customized to you, whatever it is that you need, although everybody will continue to work together, journal calls, blah, blah, blah but you will be working on your own assignment. So whether you're brand new, whether you've done a boot camp with me before, whether you've been doing the program on your own for a long time, whatever it is, you are welcome to join the holiday boot camp. It is going to be basic slash codependency. But if you have other things that you want to work on, send me email, we'll talk about it. And you can absolutely, absolutely, absolutely work on those in this boot camp. So I look forward to those of you who can make it into the boot camp. Okay, so here we go. Um, There's a couple of moving parts to this one. One is about something that we talked about a little while ago about having passwords to each other's phones and computers and tablets, this and that. And that has actually come up as a conversation. It came up in the attachment group that I'm doing right now. It's come up in boot camps. And and a woman who was in two of my boot camps who had been totally obsessed to the point where she had a GPS tracker on his car. She had spyware on his computer. She just did a check-in on obsession in the Facebook group. And her post reminded me of how crazy she was when we met before she did two boot camps of mine. And got her out of all of these, all of these things. And somebody had asked me about thinking about what your partner's doing. Now, even if you have each other's passwords, people know how to hide things. And they talked about this in the Chris Watts case. He had had some, it looked like it was a calculator or something. And some people put things on a Google Drive, you know, things like that. And I know that on Catfish, one of the Catfish episodes, one of the sleaziest guys 
Neve Shulman looked at his phone and said, I noticed you have these things on your Google Drive. You probably didn't think I was going to look there. So people who know these things know that there's, you know, all these different ways of hiding them. But somebody had written me a long time ago and said that cyber cheating, this is a cheater for those of you who are playing along at home. This was a cheater that I considered a cheater, a guy who told me that cyber cheating was not the same as cheating. And I'm telling you, cyber cheating is the same as cheating. Chat room cheating is cheating, having phone sex and computer sex and you know, all kinds of sex with somebody who's not your partner when your partner thinks that you're being faithful just because you're not going and seeing the woman in person or the man in person doesn't mean that it's not cheating. And cyber sex, infidelity, sexual addiction, it's all a matter of extreme dysfunction playing itself out in a relationship. And if your partner's doing these things, what about you? Where is your codependency, your co-addiction, your martyrdom, your victimhood? And that's one of the things that happens and it happens in different stages. And I've seen people go to 12-step programs and I've seen couples and I've had couples in my practice trying to get past an affair. I've seen people go to groups when they're trying to be in a relationship where an affair or multiple affairs have happened. And there are things that whether or not you've been cheated on or not cheated on. There are things that you need to look at. And it all comes down to you and what kind of life you want and what kind of partner you want. And the the guy that had told me that cyber sex was not really cheating told me that I was a hard ass who didn't believe in giving cheaters a second chance. And it was never about never giving someone a chance to change, but it's about who you are, who is your partner, what has gone on, what is going on, and what is going to change. And that's in any relationship where there have been bumps. It doesn't matter if those bumps are in a fair or the way somebody's speaking to you or the way that somebody's not paying attention to you. It has to do with who you are and who the partner is. And many times there are people who are with people who are under reactors. I've talked about this before. I talked about it in the Chris Watts thing. He was an under reactor, you know, and Shanann was somebody who had all of her ducks in a row and, you know, spreadsheet mama kind of thing. And, you know, she was on top of everything. And there are many, 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 many marriages like that. And have my own stories that I could tell about that, where if you had to leave the guy in charge, like nobody would ever get out the door. Like, They wouldn't even know where their shoes were. But, and I'm not saying that it's always women and men, but many times it is. And people were talking about Shannon being a harpy in the Watts case. And it's like, no, she seemed to be one of the overreactors. And Chris was an underreactor until he murdered everybody. But, you know, most underreactors don't just turn around and murder everybody. But whenever you have a relationship and you have to think about this, if you're broken up now, whether it's something about going back with your ex or getting into a new relationship, whether the thing that went wrong is infidelity or it's 
the way that you were being treated, where the person wasn't saying very much, and then they got up one day and walked out. You have to look at that. That's what the GPYB program is about. It's about the relationship inventory. It's about the life inventory. It's about what have you done? Where have you been? What has gone on in your life? Yes, these people were your partners, but it was your life. You know, it's about asking tough, tough questions when anything that even hints of infidelity raises its ugly head. It's about asking what is going on for you and to you and inside you before, during, and after this situation. If you've caught your partner cheating and you're spying to make sure it doesn't happen again, maybe that makes sense for a little while. But after that, you have to really assess the situation. And you can say cheating, you know, for me, after my first marriage, cheating was absolutely unacceptable. One time, one hint of it, one whiff of it, and I was gone. It was not going to happen to me again. But If you stay in a relationship where infidelity has gone on and you're not really trusting your partner, and yes, trust has to be earned again, but what is this lack of trust doing to your life, to your partner's life, to your kids' lives? When is it time to get up and get out? At what point do you say, you know what, I'm not getting over this, I'm not going to get over this, and I need to call it a day? Most of all, you have to look at you and figure out, how and why you wound up with this fill in the blank, you know, cheater, underreactor, person who's not paying attention, person who's not committing, person who's not doing X, Y, or Z. That's the first question you have to ask. And the reason why this is such a freeing question is that you're the only one you could do anything about but you can do something about you. If you are sending out signals to all the wrong people, you can actually change those signals. Imagine that. So you have to think about if you're in a relationship with a cheater, we'll use cheating as as an extreme example. What are you getting out of that sad little drama? Really, like the woman who, and she's not alone, and she's certainly not alone in my groups and my boot camps and my practice, but the woman who put the GPS tracker on her husband's car and put spyware on his computer. It wasn't that she was getting anything out of it. It was that she was so consumed by it. She never stepped back and thought, what am I doing? I mean, she she followed him around town knowing when he was going to see the other woman. And then after the affair was over, he spent two years. She thought that he had been the bad actor and she was very hurt and they were going to get back together. She thought that he might be a bit contrite, but he wasn't. He blamed it all on her and that's exactly what my ex did. If I was a better wife, he wouldn't cheat. And that's complete bullshit. You know, that That's gaslighting. That's what that is. And anybody who says, if you were a better partner, I wouldn't cheat, is is a numbskull and a banana head and most likely a narcissist or a sociopath because people who are, people who do things wrong and they honestly and truly are want to recognize what they've done wrong. Don't go around saying stupid shit like that. Love is an action. It's what you do, but it's also what you don't do. You don't control people. You don't try to 
oppress people and you don't let people control and oppress you. And if somebody is cheating and you are putting a GPS tracker on their car, who's controlling who in that situation? I mean, it's insanity. And I've talked to many, many people over the years about installing spyware on their partner's computer or software that duplicates the email and it sends it to them that records every keystroke. And some people have ta- have have taken to talking to me about it like it's normal. And if you think that it's normal, you need to step back a minute and think about your life. Unless you're a paid detective, what can you be doing in the time that you're spending spying on your partner? You can be developing your own interests, finding people to be with, spending time with your kids. If you're spending all this time spying on someone, you're not living your life. And that was the thing that really struck me about this woman because I, when I met her, she was already started the program. She was in a boot camp with me and she was, she had moved to another state. She was getting a real estate license. She was doing, going to meet up. She had moved and, you know, was trying to put a brand new life together as I teach people to do. And I had forgotten gotten about her playing detective because she built such a beautiful life for herself after she gave up the ghost of that. But life is too short to play detective because someone cannot or will not be honest about what they're doing and who they're doing it with. Life is too short to have people accusing us of things we're not doing. And I'm talking about if somebody's accusing you of cheating or somebody's accusing you of being the bad partner, which is why they're cheating. Life is too short for jealousy control, suspicion, or arguments that go round and round and round with no end and no resolution. Life is too short for, oh my God, another underreactor that I have to pick up after. And I don't mean like, physically pick up after, but pull more of my my weight in this relationship than I should have to because I'm I'm here with an underreactor again. Or or this overreactor is making me do things I don't want to do, jump through hoops I don't want to jump through. If you're in a relationship that requires you to snoop and sneak, or if you're being accused of doing things that you're not doing, it is time to step back. It's time to take inventory and it's time to ask yourself how much time, energy, and emotion you want to spend on these ridiculous topics. Whether you are the person who is deep into spying on your partner or you're a partner who suspects that your your partner is cheating on you and you're not doing anything, you have to step back and ask yourself, what are you doing? And I have met people that are so deep into the spying that they don't take time to ask themselves, what am I doing? If the spying is necessary because the person is not trustworthy, That denotes a serious relationship issue. If the spying has taken on a life of its own, that's not a partner issue. That's a you issue. Trust means trust. It means I trust you because I can. It it means I trust you because you have earned it. It doesn't mean I trust you because I've installed enough spyware on your computer that I know you're not doing anything. Now, I've always said that a spot check here or there to quell an insult 
insecurity is not the end of the world. Meaning, if you are a good, healthy couple, you can have the passwords to each other's phones. People have said to me, why would you need that? It's like, if the person, I know, I mean, this is awful, but seriously, if the person drops dead or is out of town or something terrible happens, it's like, well, you know, hon, where's the life insurance or where's this or where's that? You have stuff on your computer that your partner might need or you have stuff on your phone that your partner might need. What's the big deal? If you have each other's passwords and one person feels a little insecure, they might just want to take their partner's phone and just kind of scroll through it and go, yeah, yeah, okay, I'm being an idiot. A spot check to quell an insecurity here or there is not the end of the world. But doing it on a regular basis shows a serious flaw in the relationship as well as in the characters of both people, not just the cheater, but both people. If there is a trust issue, have you talked about it? Does your partner know what's acceptable and unacceptable? What are you okay with? What is acceptable and unacceptable? And this I'm talking about like chats with people of the opposite sex, chats with people in chat rooms that you don't know who these people are. Like who are these people that my partner's talking to? Sometimes people are afraid to draw boundaries because they think that they're going to seem unreasonable. And the one thing that I talk about all the time is to check that it's reasonable. You have to get okay with your own boundaries and your own standards and your own compatibility list and stick to them. It's okay to say no pornography. I don't want to hear this crap about every guy looks at porn because every guy does not. It's okay to say that talking to people of the opposite sex that I don't know is not okay. It's okay to say that. That's reasonable. If your partner says that's crazy and I don't like it, then then go your separate ways. But you can absolutely have that boundary. And, you know, I'm not talking about like when you meet and you have actual friends of the opposite sex. That's something you have to figure out. But I'm talking about like new people coming into your lives. It's like, who are these people? Where did you meet them? Blah, blah, blah. It's like, oh, he's just playing this game online. And, you know, we just got to talking outside the game. But like, who, who's talking outside the game? Like, if you're going online to play games with other people, you just go online to play games with other people. You don't have to strike up friendships with them. I mean, how do you go from playing a game with somebody that you don't know to being friends? Like, how does that happen? And if somebody says you're just being a dictator, if you say like, no, that's not okay. I don't like it. I don't like you just chatting up random people of the opposite sex. Or, you know, if you're in same sex relationships, same sex, whatever it is, you have to be okay with saying that's not okay. And again, it's like we don't put our values up to a vote, but we need to know that it's reasonable and it's okay. And that is reasonable and okay. I recently had somebody write to me and say that her ex had went and see with her ex and she didn't want any thing to do with him and blah, blah, blah. And then he dropped her a text and asked if she could get together for a drink just so they could talk months after the breakup. And she didn't want to. And her friend said she was being unreasonable and that I think that they said something and I'm going to talk about this more on another podcast. This is going to be like a whole other subject. But the friend said something to the effect of we should continue to have relationships with people that we were once a good fit with. Well, that's complete and utter bullshit. It's like, 
you know, I, I was once a good fit with lots of crazy people, but I've changed. I don't know about them and I don't care about them. People who think that you should go sing Kumbaya with your ex. No, 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 no. Just no. When you come up with something during a relationship, it's okay to say, this is what I need from this relationship. Can you give that to me or not? I mean, we don't have to like beat around the bush. We don't have to like play 20 questions. We can have those needs met without being told that you're being controlling or crazy or a shrew or a bastard or whatever the charge is for knowing where your boundaries are. You don't need to justify it to people. You can say, I need this from this relationship. Relationship. Is that something I can have? You don't need to justify it. You don't need to debate if it's okay. And again, it's like you don't need to justify what you think is not okay. There are people that have wacky, wacky, wacky relationships. That doesn't mean that that's what you want to have. If you're involved with a sex addict, you can go to CoSLAA for support or CODA or something like that. I know that there's other 12-step programs. I can't think of like all their names, but there's something about affair support or, or something like that. But you can go to meetings and talk to other people that are going through similar things because you need to learn to set boundaries and have standards. And if your partner isn't willing to honor those boundaries or meet those standards, you need to learn how to make a choice from there. If your partner can't meet your need or think that there's something unreasonable about what you want to need, then you have three choices, accept it, change it, or leave. That's it. It's only those three choices. And I say this all the time. Those are the only three choices you're ever going to have when something in your relationship is not going your way or is harming you or is making you very upset. If you accept it, it means you really accept it and it's fine and you can be serene even if it's going on. Changing is only possible through negotiation and knowing what is negotiable and what is not negotiable. If an issue has cropped up in your relationship and you're talking about it, are you really talking about it? Are you really negotiating? Are you just trying to wear each other down? Or is one of you muddying the issue so much that the other doesn't even know what he or she feels or thinks anymore? People who are cheating are usually also lying and twisting things to make the accusing partner feel somewhat crazy about the accusations. Don't fall into this gaslighting. Don't fall into these mind games. Don't fall into word game traps. The truth will ring true. If it sounds nutty or implausible, it probably is. And it's not your fault. Don't take on any responsibility for a cheater cheating or somebody doing untrustworthy or hurtful things to you. Everyone is responsible for his or her own behavior. They own it. You do not. You can't make somebody do something. If you are not being the greatest partner they can leave, remember, 
accept it, change it, or leave. They don't get to stay and torture you. Staying and torturing you is not on the list, but you need to make that clear. You need to be in somebody's face and saying, look, it's accept it, change it, or leave. Do you see stay here and torture me on the list? No. Do you see stay here and gaslight me on the list? No. Do you say stay here and be a banana head, shithead? No. Those things are not on the list. Not on the list. On the list. Accept it, change it, leave. That's it over. It is possible and healthy to set a boundary and let someone know what are the consequences for crossing that boundary. And never, 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 you get the idea, never? Deliver an ultimatum you are not prepared to follow through with. Do not say, if you continue to look at pornography, I'm leaving unless you're prepared to leave. And don't talk in broad terms either. Give your partner specific details about A, your feelings, B, your expectations, and C, the consequences if those expectations are not met. You can say, I get hurt when you talk to other women or men, whatever it is, on the computer. That's it. You can say that. Speak in eye language and talk about your feelings. And do not let the other person say that's ridiculous or nothing's going on. So it's stupid for you to feel that way or everyone does it or I don't know what your problem is. Your feelings are your feelings. Feelings are not right or wrong. They just are. And you need a partner who understands that feelings are not right or wrong. They just are. Do you want to get into an argument? Do you want to say you might think it's stupid, but this is what I feel and this is what I need to not feel that way? Then say, if you continue to do this, knowing that it hurts me, I'm going to, and then say what you're going to do. Again, don't say I'm leaving. Don't say we're getting a divorce unless you're prepared to do just that. You can only cry wolf so many times before it becomes apparent that you're full of crap and you're not doing any such thing. You don't have to explain why you feel this way. You don't have to make it be logical to your partner. And you don't have you don't have to make them understand why this is not okay with you. It just is not. It's on your list of what is not and not okay, and that has to be communicated. And if someone says you're trying to control him or her, you can say, no, I just want to be with someone who will not do this thing. And if you're not him or her, I need to know that so I can figure things out for myself. If someone considers that a threat, so be it. But it's not a threat. It's a fact. I want to be with somebody who will not do the thing you're doing. And if you're going to continue to do this thing, I need to figure things out. What do you need to figure out? Accept the change or leave. I need to figure out which one of those things I'm going to do. Because obviously, you're saying that you're not going to change it. So I only have two choices left, accept, accept it or leave. And I need to figure out which one that is. There are couples who porn is fine, cyber chatting is fine, swinging is fine with other couples, or what have you is perfectly fine. But if you're not one of those couples, you're not. And getting back out there, I talk about how or the early relationship, you have to ask what kind of couple are we going to be? Now, when I tell people that getting back out there is not a dating book, this is one of the reasons why. I mean, there's many reasons, but this is one of the reasons why. You have to go, you have to look the early relationship, which is a section in getting back out there. You have to go to the early relationship. You have to read about it. And if you're broken up, you have to think this is what we didn't do in the relationship that just broke up. We did not figure out 
what kind of couple we were going to be. And you can't be that kind of couple unless both people are honestly accepting, yes, this is the couple we're going to be. Too often, people get into relationships with completely different agendas, completely different ideas of what the couple, the entity that you both make up is going to look like. And it's too late when both realize it's very different. And then the games begin because no one's leaving right away. No one's going, oh, well, you know, I guess we have different expectations and different plans for this marriage and plans for this family. So I guess, hmm, hmm, now what do I do? As it says in Getting Back Out There, you need to decide early in the relationship what is and what is not okay. And if you can't get it, from your partner. You either have to change your standards or you have to change your partner. If you are the person who thinks X, Y, or Z is okay, maybe you need to find another partner who's more understanding of what you think is okay. But don't stay together and torture each other by trying to change the other person into someone they are not. And before you continue to argue endlessly about the same issues over and over again, ask yourself again, is this issue about control or about keeping my partner at a distance or them keeping me at a distance? What is going on here? Have I been subconsciously picking people I'm never going to mesh with? And why do you ever need to be in such an unfulfilling relationship? What are you so afraid of? Why are you afraid? of getting close? And then why are you so unwilling to get out of an unfulfilling relationship? There are so many people, I talk about people all the time. It's like, don't envy couples when you see them out. 50% of all people that get married get divorced. Okay, that's just married. The unmarried breakup rate is even higher And then half of those people are miserable that stay together. So don't say, well, you know, I don't want to be alone, blah, blah, blah. Don't use children, finances. I'm afraid to be alone. I don't want to be single, blah, blah, blah. I don't want to go dating again, yada, yada, yada. Don't let all those things drive your decision to stay in a bad relationship. None of those are good reasons. Children of divorce can and do thrive when their parents are happy. People can be poor for a while and still do quite well. If you're afraid to be alone or afraid to be single, you can work on that. But those are all poor excuses in order to accept unacceptable behavior from a partner. If you want to stay in a bad relationship, relationship. That's your choice, but you have to own up to that. And if you want to stay and make your relationship better, you must tell your partner what your boundaries are, what is and what is not okay, and get away from the cyber stalking and the cyber spying and this and the that. Tell them what is and is not okay and let them go from there. They'll either accept it, change it, or leave. But don't wallow around in the mud arguing incessantly about these things. Don't let people play word games with you when you're trying to set boundaries. Don't let them turn it on you through gaslighting. Go to the gettingpastyourbreakup.com website. I have a couple of articles there on gaslighting. I have other articles if you need them. Like I said, I've got 2,500 articles that I've written and many of them are not up because people have stolen them. But if you want to read more, let me know. Send me an email and I will give it to you. But when 
when you're in a relationship, speak in the early relationship, speak in eye language and put it out there. And then what the person does with it is up to them. If something is not okay, say it. If porn is not okay, say it. If talking to other people on the computer is not okay, say it. If staying out all hours is not okay, say it. If having lunch or dinner with someone of the opposite sex or, you know, people that you don't know, say it. You must know what is and is not okay. But your partner needs to know that too. If your partner knows what's not okay and then continues to do things that you think is not okay, you then, the ball's in your corner. Accept to change it or leave or decide not to decide and then just fight about it for the rest of your life. But that's misery and know that you're choosing misery and you don't have to. People can and do become addicted to porn. People can and do become addicted to cheating. If your partner has an addiction of any kind, it will induce sneaking, lying and destruction of the relationship. That is what addiction does to a relationship. You have the right to get out or insist that they stop it and seek help now. You have the right to give an ultimatum and they have the right to reject that ultimatum. And you have to be prepared for any answer if you give an ultimatum and you have to be prepared to act. You might want to suggest counseling or some other intervention, but be prepared for resistance. Addicts don't give up addiction easily, especially when it's not their idea and they want to blame people, places, and things for their addiction. If you need to go to a support group for help, go there. Don't buy into the addict's game of blame. Life is short. It's too short to be stuck in these destructive patterns with unworthy people. If you are a stand-up person, insist on being with other stand-up people. Trust is something that you can get fairly early on. Both people should recognize another trustworthy person. If you're not there yet because you've been in relationships with untrustworthy people, stay out of relationships, work on yourself, and build up your observation. I talk about it in the workbook. In my groups, I talk about advanced observation. Make sure that you are willing to recognize untrustworthy people and that you will not get into another relationship until you can. It is possible to have a relationship where you are trusted and you can trust. Jealousy, accusations, power, and control are not part of a loving, trusting relationship and they're not part of a healthy relationship. We become trustworthy and we learn to pick other trustworthy people, people who will not be suspicious or insecure or controlling. We become that when we do our work, when we figure out the thing in our past that's led us to controlling and are trustworthy people. We fix what's wrong and the right people will come into our lives. In order to find the right person, you need to be the right person. I say this all the time. That starts today. You can do it. Trust me on this. <laughs> I'm trustworthy. Trust me. Take care, all. This is an Elliot Hosting Lady Talking podcast. Be good, everybody. Take care. Bye bye. <laughs>